Welcome to the 31st episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about design, code, and learning. My name is Brian Brush, and this week I am not joined by Sam Banner or Sean Duran. We are taking some time to bring you all another series of solo episodes where we can go more in-depth with each of our respective fields. So let's start talking instructional design. In particular, I want to chat with you about the concept of the flipped classroom. It's come up a few times on the show, but we've never really delved too far into exactly what it is. But before we can really talk about the flipped classroom, we need to first discuss a couple of things. One of those is the field of educational technology, and the other is this little thing known as blended learning. Educational technology, as the name suggests, is concerned with how technological tools can be effectively used to aid and improve education. It is tied very closely with instructional design and is only becoming more important as our day-to-day lives become more and more entangled with technology. Today, educational technology allows us to deliver training to any part of the globe. Training also no longer has to be delivered on a regular schedule, but can instead be delivered asynchronously. These technologies have led to a new approach to education and training known as blended learning. What this is, is a method of instruction in which digital and or online platforms are used in addition to your traditional face-to-face classroom instruction. It provides students opportunities to further research and familiarize themselves with a topic both inside and outside of the classroom. Unlike traditional instruction, which requires all students to be in the same place, move through the material at the same pace, and to follow the same path, digital instruction puts much of that control into the student's hands. In most instances of blended learning, the digital instruction provided to students are activities and exercises that instructors hope will lead to a better understanding of the material. Meanwhile, the classroom is reserved for traditional lectures, presentations, and discussions. But then in the early 90s, this approach was flip-turned upside down. So if you have a minute, I'd like you to sit right there while I tell you about the flip classroom. A Harvard professor by the name of Eric Mazur started testing an idea in his physics classes. Instead of using the classroom to present lectures and distribute information, he wanted to use it to help students apply information that they have learned and grow their understanding of those concepts. So he assigned readings to be accomplished before class, which would serve as a replacement for their traditional lecture. Then in class, he provided them with experiments and questions to help them make sense of the information they had acquired from the reading. Meanwhile, another professor at California State University in San Marcos named Allison King wrote an article calling for us to transition the role of the professor. In this article, she questions whether using classroom time for the distribution of information is the most valuable way to use that time. This leads to her suggestion that we move the role of the instructor from a sage on stage, lecturing, to a guide at the side of the student. Doing so frees classroom time up so that, as Eric Mazur found, students can begin to construct a better understanding of the information with guidance from a professor to keep them on track. This is where we start to see the flipped classroom. Instead of lectures in class and exercises as homework, we have lectures and reading at home and exercises in the classroom. Combine that with educational technologies and networked approaches to learning, and you have a whole new perspective on teaching. Lectures can be pre-recorded and played back at home. Students no longer have to scramble to take notes as a professor rambles on. They can pause the lecture and jot their notes before moving on. If they have a hard time making sense of a subject, they can go to an online discussion board and chat with fellow students or their professor. Instead of lugging around textbooks all day at school, they can leave those books at home for study or pull them up digitally. 
Think about all that time you spent as a kid trying to do a math assignment at home. You worked yourself mad trying to make sense of exercise 53 and just couldn't figure it out. You know the teacher said something about it in class, but Chris was spitting wads of paper at Nick and you couldn't focus. So now you don't remember how in the world you're supposed to solve this problem. With the flipped classroom, that struggle can be mostly eliminated. When you're stuck on problem 53, you can immediately work with the teacher in the classroom. She can then turn around and make sure everyone understands how to solve that problem all at once. That means that she can also prevent bad habits and misunderstandings from forming. In turn, she gets to be something other than just a talking head for students to sit still and listen to. She gets to be a guide for her students. A guide that gets to help them grow and develop and make sense of the world around them. And that's something special. And institutions in which flipped classrooms have been applied are finding incredible success. But that isn't to say everything is peachy. First off, there isn't just one way to flip a classroom. There are a variety of approaches, and the right one to use depends on the teacher, the students, and the subject matter. This means design considerations become even more important, and many teachers may struggle with this at first. Additionally, during the school year, teachers are already spending absurd amounts of time preparing material for their classes. Asking them to also make videos, audio recordings, digital readings, and so on just may not be feasible. Of course, there can also be challenges for students. Technology may be heavily ingrained in our mental image of our culture, but it isn't readily available to everyone. Not every student is going to have the same socioeconomic background, which means that access to tools like computers and the internet is not the same for everyone. Implementing a flipped classroom strategy without finding a way to address these imbalances could only make certain disparities worse. And on top of that, we are also placing a large amount of expectation on our students. We are assuming that they are actually going to watch the lectures and complete their readings at home. And if they do take that time to watch them, we are assuming that they are staying engaged during the whole process. Think of the worst lecture you've ever sat through. Now imagine you're being asked to sit at home, by yourself, and watch a video of it instead. The odds you're going to stay engaged are slim. Plus, some constructivist theorists would argue that making them endure a lecture or text, whether at home or in the classroom, is not how their energy should be spent. So are flipped classrooms good? They definitely can be. They can be more than good. But there is a lot to be said critically about flipped classrooms as well. What's important is that moving forward, we continue to reassess educational technologies and instructional methods to address those criticisms and push education forward. And with that said, I'm going to wrap up the 31st episode of All of the Above. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to me ramble away. The short show notes for this episode can be found at alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 31. To send us feedback or topic ideas, go to alloftheabove.audio slash contact. The easiest way to reach all of us here at All of the Above is through Twitter, where we are at Above Podcast. Finally, if you want to help us out, you can rate and review the show on iTunes by going to alloftheabove.audio slash review. We will look forward to joining you all next week for Sean's solo episode. In the meantime, go watch a few episodes of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air.